ASAP. Any score, any place, we'll pull up on your boat, anger, don't bang. Bro, who's making this shit? Oh, who did it? Let's go! Come on! I'm so tired from watching. 90 yard touchdown! 90 yard touchdown! What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. And on today's show, John Kegley joins the show with us as well. Very happy about that. But before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog. And I also write for the LA Football Network. But we've been covering the Chargers for over five seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the season. And now this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? We definitely hope you enjoyed that last episode, the interview with Shannon Farron. Thought it was one of the better interviews that we've had. I mean, just getting that close-up look on the sideline. But today we have another great show planned for you guys today because last week we got into Daniel Popper's burning and pressing questions for the Chargers 2020 season, and he's released a new list. So on today's show, we're going to get into all 10 of the biggest last questions that he has, including can Brandon Faison push Michael Davis for a starting spot? Does Austin Eckler's role change at all? And also, who fills the holes on the special teams coverage units and much more than that in the second and third segments. But we're going to start the show today with ESPN projecting a Chargers 53-man roster for 2020. And there's some pretty big surprises. No undrafted free agents. And one of the draft picks does not make the team. So, David, let's go ahead and get into it. ESPN has come out with a list projecting the Chargers 53-man roster and one 2020 draft pick didn't make the cut. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogemeyer with your Locked on Chargers lead story. ESPN has come out with a list projecting the Chargers opening 53-man roster done by Chargers beat writer Lindsey Theory. All of the guys that you imagine would make the team, all of the star players, Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa, all of those guys made the list, of course. But there were some surprise omissions, and you have to start with one of the Chargers' own draft picks not making the list and also looking at the fact that no undrafted free agents made the list. But the one big surprise, David, has to be that K.J. Hill, who many people consider the steal of the draft in the seventh round, the wide receiver out of Ohio State, the all-time leading receiver at Ohio State, does not make the Chargers on this list. So I think when you're talking about who did this list miss as far as guys that we think are going to make the team, I think you have to start right there. I don't think there is any better starting point than the than the omission of not having KJ Hill on this roster in 2020. I think if you look at the carousel of wide receivers that the Chargers trotted out there at the wide receiver three position last year, you did not see very much production at all. One of those guys that they have making the team is Jason Moore, who in 10 games only had two catches and 43 yards on five targets. Another guy they had making the team that was in that wide receiver three position a couple of times was Andre Patton, who had only six catches for 56 yards on 15 targets. So really hard for me to understand why 
they would make the decision not to add K.J. Hill Jr. on this team when there is nobody on this roster right now that you could say is for sure going to be the wide receiver three. The Chargers need to inject a lot more competition at that wide receiver three position, and I think that definitely includes K.J. Hill. Another couple of things that were a little alarming was that there's no fullback on the roster, and the coaching staff mentioned on multiple occasions that they want to have a fullback. And also, for the first time in 24 seasons, there's no undrafted free agents making this squad. That, to me, seems a little far-fetched. Another couple of surprising moves were that the Chargers also didn't keep their 6th or 7th round picks from the 2019 draft class. Their 6th round pick, Emeka Igbule, does not make it on this squad as a linebacker, even though he probably will, if he does make it, be a big part of the Chargers special teams coverage units. And also Cortez Broughton, the defensive tackle they picked in the 7th round in 2019 doesn't make the cut as well and there were also some players that made the team on this list that I think were surprises as well not just the snubs and I think Darius Jennings comes to mind because he's a kickoff return specialist he also does play wide receiver but he is mostly known in the return game and also David in lieu of having a fullback the Chargers keep four running backs including Derek Gore who was with the Chargers on their practice squad last season but has never been up with the real club and I think those are a couple of guys if this list does change around a little could be left off of it. Well, I think they got it right when they said there's going to be four running backs on this team, but I don't think that fourth one is actually going to be a running back. I don't think Derek Gore is actually going to make this team this year. I think the undrafted free agent who is going to make this team is going to be a fullback for sure. I think it's Gabe Neighbors or Bobby Holly. There's definitely going to be a fullback on this roster. I think that one right there was a little bit of a surprise. Also, another surprise I saw was that Donald Parham and Andrew Vuller, the backup tight ends, made this team as well. I expect Donald Parham to make this team based on the contract and based on his catching prowess. He's really the only tight end behind Hunter Henry that has shown some pedigree catching the football. One thing that does make a lot of sense for the Chargers is that they are going to have a lot of offensive linemen. Obviously, that's a very physical position and a lot of injuries tend to come on there. There's going to be a lot of competition at that left guard spot and the left tackle spot. So they're going to rotate a lot of bodies and they're going to try to stay agile while in a pandemic. Yeah, and I think if you're talking about the players most susceptible to contracting something, I think you have to look at the lines just because they are lined up so close together and are making contact on every play. So to have a lot of offensive linemen makes sense in the world that we're living in right now. But obviously there's going to be some players that we don't see getting cut that end up getting cut just because of the lack of time this coaching staff is going to have to look at these players and try to make these decisions. Now that they don't have as much time as they would have, they might have to make some guesses and have to gamble on upside as opposed to keeping players that have already been with the team. But there is one thing that we've seen with the history of this coaching staff, and that is if they can go with something that they know, they will do that over taking a chance on something that they don't know as well. But we do have two more segments to get into. We're going to get into the Athletics' Daniels Poppers pressing questions going into the 2020 season coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that there's nothing more stressful than having something go wrong with your car because now you might be late for work. You might have to call out and you don't know where the part is going to come from. And I can fix all of those things for you with rockauto.com because for me, I don't know a ton about cars, but I do know that when I need something for my car, I'm never sure if I'm getting the right price because I've gone to different mechanics and different traditional chain storefront auto stores and I get different 
different prices for all of them and there's different prices for mechanics or just for regular people and their buying stuff but not with rockauto.com mechanics regular people everybody gets the same price and you're not going to find better prices than you will with rockauto.com you can save yourself the headache of having to go pick it up in the store and trying to find some place that has it in stock because you can find everything that you need with rockauto.com they have everything from engine control modules to brake parts tail lamps motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. All you got to do is go to rockauto.com right now and you can see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right guys, so last week we got into some Questions from the Athletics, Daniel Popper, former guest of the show. We did 10 pressing questions for the Chargers last week as a part of his 30-question series that he has going on. And this week, we have a new batch of 10 that we're going to get into with a lot of good questions about what to expect from the wide receiver three position, what to expect from Mike Pouncey, and much more. But this week, we're going 21 through 30. And the first one on the list is, who fills the holes on the special teams coverage units? What Popper says is that the Chargers had one of the worst special teams in the league last season, according to Football Outsiders ratings, and they're going to have a lot of work, and they're going to have their work cut out for them trying to improve in 2020. So, John, obviously, when you look at the people the Chargers lost this year, they're going to miss Adrian Phillips on that defense and Melvin Gordon, but especially Phillip Rivers. But I think one of the things that flew more under the radar was just everything that they lost on the special teams unit because you can say they weren't good last year but they did lose some good individual special teams players like Derek Watt who led the NFL in special teams tackles Adrian Phillips who was an all pro at the position and Jeremy Davis who was okay but also only on the roster for his special teams ability so now when you look at this team do you think it's just going to be a bunch of young players and how do the Chargers you know find the right combination to improve on a unit that struggled in coverage last year well, I think they drafted a couple of guys just for this situation. For like Joe Reed has got to be your kickoff return guy and punt return guy. So you're not going to have to put someone like an Austin Eckler or Keenan Allen back there to take all the hits, especially in a shortened season where you're not getting your body beaten up enough before the season starts. But with the Loey Gilman, I feel like he has to be sp- specifically the kickoff guy, the gunner on punts guy that's going to be making those running full speed and throwing yourself into somebody type of hit. I feel like that's what he had to have been drafted for. Maybe to be the backup dime linebacker, but mostly it's got to be the kickoff responsibilities. And I have to say, Emeke Bule has to be on that as well. And the fact that, as you guys mentioned in the last segment, that Emeke Bule was not on the projected roster is kind of puzzling because he has to be playing the role of kickoff. He's got to be the guy making the hits. He's not going to get much playing time defensively, and you don't want to risk your starters. You don't want to risk a Drew Tranquil, as Popper mentioned on this. He's going to get more chances to get hurt, and he's basically your star linebacker right now. And having Emeka Boule, Loey Gilman, those two guys right there alone will take a lot of hits. I don't want to put Nazir Adley on kickoff. He makes sense because he'd be your Daryl Stuckey type with all that speed running down there. Same with, say, he is your 2-2 and those guys. But he already had a hamstring injury once. Do you want to risk that some more with more dead sprints down the field on kickoff? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially with someone who's been injured. I mean, the thought of him playing special teams is a little bit scary. And I think for the Chargers, even not having a guy like Nick DeZubner, who's been here a long time as a special teams player, and you think back of the good special teams players the Chargers had with Kasim Osgood or Daryl Stuckey. I mean, the Chargers have a long history of being able to find guys, usually undrafted free agents, to play big-time roles on those teams. But I think the punt return specifically is going to be the most interesting part because Joe Reed didn't return any punts in college, and Darius Jennings hasn't returned any punts in the NFL. And we all saw what Desmond King was able to do early on in that job, but obviously there's been a ton of muff punts since then. So I think that's something to keep an eye on with the special teams as well. But getting into the next question we have on here, it is, how healthy is Mike Pouncey? What Popper puts is that Mike Pouncey's career was in jeopardy after he suffered a season-ending neck injury last season. His surgery went well, and he rehabbed it to the point where he expects to be the starting center for the Chargers in Week 1, David. But he also mentions on here that having a neck injury is a super serious thing, and the problem with having a neck injury, besides obviously the long-term effects, is just the fact that you're basically one wrong hit, hitting someone the wrong way away from being gone from the team and possibly maybe even probably having his career ended. So I think it's a great story that Mike Pouncey is back, but I think his health is going to have to be something that's monitored very closely. Well, and you wouldn't be as worried if this was his first major injury, but this is not his first major in- injury in his career. During his nine-year career, he also had a serious hip injury in 2016 where he only played five games and was placed on IR at that time, missing the rest of the season. So he has a little bit of a history with injuries, and the Chargers committed a lot of money to to Mike Pouncey, so they expect him to be back and starting, and I think they definitely miss his leadership, but Scott Questenberry really played well in his stead, and I really think that he should be given an opportunity to compete with Mike Pouncey, although I don't believe that's going to happen because the Chargers love their veterans and they do have their favorites. Mike Pouncey seems to be one of those guys. So you just have to hope that Mike Pouncey is ready to go and he is healthy enough to go out there and really stabilize the middle of that offensive line. We know that was a problem, and hopefully he come in can come in here in year 10 and play his best football. Absolutely. I mean, that's what they have to hope for, and I think there's many people that think he really hasn't been the same since that hip injury so it's really going to be something that is a little bit scary but I think the Chargers have two pretty decent options with Dan Feeney even and Scott Questenberry that could fill in there admirably to the point where I wasn't even sure that he would be back this season healthy or not but he's definitely a leader on that offensive line and they definitely want him out there and he is a guy that has experience and some chemistry with some of the guys on the Chargers line already. So getting to the next question, focusing on Austin Eckler. And what he's asking is, does Austin Eckler's role change at all? And I think the obvious answer is yes, because it's a different personnel. Melvin Gordon's no longer in the building, but he's mostly focusing on what he, on what he was able to do as a receiver. Mentioned the fact that he averaged 10.8 yards per target, which is absolutely ridiculous for a running back. And I think that with this new role as being the lead back, quote unquote, I think there's obviously probably going to be some hit in his receiving game. I mean, 90 plus receptions last year was going to be hard to repeat either way. And I mean, that was with Philip Rivers, who under constant pressure was constantly dumping it off to Austin Eckler. But now that they have Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly in the room, John, how do you think the Chargers, you know, give him that lead back role while also trying to keep him in the passing game as much as he was? I think if Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly both are healthy throughout the season, 
I think they used Justin Jackson or Kelly more as that lead rollback. And I don't want to say like first string. I mean, it is as far as lining up as the running back. And I think Eckler gets moved around a lot. So I think his role is going to change a lot. I think they're going to use him all around the field to try to get him in the passing game while also lining him up at running back to run a simple run play. But if, let's say, Justin Jackson goes down, I think Eckler is going to have to play a lot more of the running back role, a lot more lining up in the backfield. You can't use him as a slot or putting him in motion in a bunch of different ways, like a lot of just crazy little packages to get him into the passing game. I think that cuts down a lot if Justin Jackson gets hurt again. And then he'll basically turn into what he was in Melvin Gordon. Went down last year. He was basically your lead back, and he was catching a lot of passes and making a lot of good runs as well. With all three running backs, I think Eckler gets used all over the field, kind of like your wildcat type player. You can just put him all over the field, and he makes a play somewhere. And I think that's going to be the big difference in this offense at bailing out Tyrod Taylor. If everyone's covered, it's going to be that dump off to Austin Eckler or trying to get him in space. That's going to make a big difference in this offense. There's I think that. Thing, oh, sorry. It's one thing to have a lot of mouths to feed, but if you feed the right one constantly, it somehow always will work. Well, I think that's the thing, too, is you have a lot more guys that are better near the line of scrimmage. Like with Joe Reed, you're probably going to try to get him involved there. You also have guys like KJ Hill, who does a lot of his work in the short to intermediate passing area. I mean, there are a lot of mouths to feed. And I think if you look at Austin Eckler's 132 carries from last year, I think he eclipses that. But I don't necessarily think he's going to get 250. I do think it is going to be a true committee no matter what they say. And I think if you want him to stay healthy, it's going to be hard for him to just keep on taking the ball in between the tackles, which is something I think that you had Josh Kelly in there for. But we've seen the Chargers rotate before. They have some pretty unique ways of kind of filtering these guys out. I mean, sometimes they get a series. Sometimes they just get a couple of sets of downs. It's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. I mean, it's at you know the top of my list of things I'm interested in is what does this breakdown look like between these three guys. But I think you might see, you know, less receptions from Austin Eckler than you might have seen last year, but I don't think he'll be on the field any less than he was before. Getting into something we've talked about a lot, David, and that is who is going to be the wide receiver three. And one of the things that I've mentioned every time we've talked about this is the creeping thing in the back of my head that just says, hey, they're going to give the first opportunity to Andre Patton no matter what. Daniel Popper kind of echoes that sentiment. And he also talks about the fact that Andre Patton might be getting a little bit of a disservice just because of last year, him not being one of Philip Rivers' favorite targets. I mean, there's been a couple of breakdowns where it shows, you know, Andre Patton was getting open. He was, you know, doing rub routes and getting other guys open. And some of the things that might go a little bit unheralded. But, David, when you look at this, do you think that, you know, the Chargers are going to go that way, Andre Patton, and it's his to lose? Or do you think it's just going to be. Hey, this guy, I mean, hey, the leading wide receiver three last year had eight catches, and that was Dontrell Inman, not even Andre Patton. So it's going to be an open competition. That right there, I think, is the most important point that you just made, is it is going to be an open competition. We've talked about this at nauseum a lot, about who the wide receiver three is, but it's because we had literally no production. The Chargers had no production at the wide receiver three position last year when compared to most teams around the league. There was really just Mike Williams and Keenan Allen doing their thing, one and two, and then Austin Eckler out of the slot. There was really no other threat past that, and obviously Hunter Henry in the middle. But as a receiver, there was really no other threat other than those two guys. 
the Chargers need to figure it out. We know that Joe uh, Joe Reed is probably going to be used as a gadget guy. I'd say KJ Hill is more than likely going to be the favorite throughout camp to be able to get there. He has the pedigree. He has the route running ability. He has the smoothness. He has the the catching ability to really be a nice complement to the other wide receivers on this roster. I think he probably is going to end up winning that job, although I do agree that Andre Patton is probably going to be given every opportunity to take it at first. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. I think the one difference this season is obviously just the lack of opportunities for some of these guys to go and take that spot from Andre Patton. And like I've talked about before, the Chargers love their favorites. You know, they love the guys that they know what they are. And I think it's going to be very hard for some of these rookies and undrafted free agents to come in and make an impact without being able to get on the field, even for any preseason games. But the last one here I think is very important, and that is, is Uchenna and Wosu more involved in the defense, John, because the Chargers are going to have to make some big decisions this coming offseason with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa both being unrestricted free agents at this point. But you have Uchenna and Wosu, who is the heir apparent to these guys, even though he's listed at linebacker. He is the edge rusher that they have that is their young kind of prospect type of player who has shown some pass rushing proclivity over his couple of seasons, even though he did not play very much. As Daniel Popper puts in here, less than 38% of the defensive snaps in 2019. So, John, knowing the Chargers have to make this decision in the upcoming future, do you think that Gus Bradley finds a way to get Uchen and Mosu on the field more? Well, with Gus Bradley saying he wants to do a lot more blitzing this year, I feel like there's going to be some blitz packages where you still have Bosa and Ingram on the field and Uchenna Nwosu is also on the field. And it can, it can get him on the field a lot more. It could be a really cool stunt of a blitz where it gets him open outside or in the middle by using Ingram or Bosa to twist with him or something. I feel he's going to have some kind of a blitz package for that. So that alone makes me think he's going to be on the field a lot more. But also with all the injuries you've had lately, Past like what three or four years on the defensive side, I have a feeling that he's going to have to rotate Uchenna Nwosu in there for Bosa or Ingram, especially for Bosa. With Bosa's history of getting injured, you got to give him a little bit less snaps as far as like first quarter and second quarter, and let him be a lot more fresher for the third and fourth quarter, so he can still go hard in those game clutch type situations without risking further injury. And Uchenna Nwosu is still young and can take a lot more of those hits. Doing that alone will get him a lot more snaps as well. So me personally, I think he will get used a lot more. And I think Gus Bradley has to use those blitz packages with him. And this team could fire on all cylinders as far as rushing the QB. Well, maybe it just gets out there more in that base package. And because you're white, they find another role for and use that strong side outside linebacker as a guy who does get after the quarterback a little bit more than they have in the past. But the hardest part with keeping Joey Bosa on the field is just like he's not a pass rush specialist. He's their best defensive player right now. Their most you know well-rounded defensive lineman, to be sure. So it's hard to get these guys off the field. But Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa have both missed time over the last two years. Last year was Melvin Ingram. The year before that was a big stretch without Joey Bosa. So they need to find ways to get Uchenna Nuosu on the field so the Chargers can figure out what they got in that second round pick. But we do have five more questions to get into, including Brandon Faison potentially being a starter, Josh Kelly's role in the office, and maybe a Joey Bosa holdout coming up right after this. 
All right, guys, time to wrap up these questions from Daniel Popper of The Athletic, the most pressing questions going into 2020. And it starts with a really good question and a kind of puzzling question, at least in my eyes, I guess. But it is, can Brandon Faison push Michael Davis for the second outside corner spot? And David, I know that we haven't been that high on Michael Davis, but if there was somebody we were less on than Michael Davis, it might be Brandon Faison, who was you know, a kind of a standout in off-season workouts training camp in preseason a couple of years ago, then actually got on the field last year and got picked on from what I could see out there. And now Daniel Popper's looking at it, thinking that it actually could be a pretty close competition as to who the starter's going to be. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to laugh, but I don't think there's any way that Brandon Faison is going to overtake Michael Davis as the starting outside corner. I think it would be great for competition for Brandon Faison to be able to do that, but he would have to show a lot of growth from last year to this year. He did get better the more he was on the football field. I did notice that, but he's definitely not anywhere close to Michael Davis, and that is saying something. Michael Davis also has prototypical size and speed that Gus Bradley likes in his corner, so I'm sorry I don't see any way that Brandon Faison is going to overtake Michael Davis. It's hard to imagine just because it seemed like when he was out there, a lot of passes got caught right in front of him for first downs. It seemed like that's where teams were going on third down specifically to keep drives going. It was incredibly frustrating. But like he mentions in this, if there's one thing Brandon Faison does a lot better, it's tackling. And coaches love when their corners can tackle. But these coaches have been obsessed with the skill set of Michael Davis for a very, very long time. So now it goes to the maybe the biggest question for the Chargers in their future on this one, which is how are the Chargers going to split up the development of rookie quarterback Justin Herbert? So what it talks about on here, John, is just the fact that the Chargers hired Pep Hamilton, who is going to be their quarterback whisperer for everything we've heard. But Shane Steichen's also been a quarterback coach. They're a new offensive assistant. Rip Schurer used to work with quarterbacks. So do you think this is going to be a coach by committee thing? And do you agree with Daniel Popper that you can do that, but it also might be a situation where there's too many cooks in the kitchen? Well, I don't think you need to use all the coaches on this as much as you need to use just veteran stuff like Tyrod Taylor, as much as people say he's just a guy that's bounced off of teams and stuff. He's been in the league. He knows some stuff. And he was around Phillip Rivers, who probably taught him some stuff. And I feel like the quarterback can also be a part of this learning committee. And as far as the coaches go, there's only one coach, really, who should be talking to him, and that is Pep Hamilton. That is the QB coach. That's the guy that should be developing him. Steichen just needs to focus on the offense at hand right now, and that is Tyrod Taylor. If Herbert gets put in for practice or something, just see like second, some uh, you get Herbert in with some first first team reps, then he could focus on that as far as game film goes and stuff. Going over to him with that, but as being in his ear all practice, even when he's just on the sideline, going, "Hey, see what Tyrod did there? You don't do that, or that's a good read. You do that." But leave that to Pep Hamilton. Everyone needs to focus on their assignment. This is a whole new offense that they have. And everyone needs to be focusing on their parts to make sure that this sticks in these guys' minds. Yeah, and I think it would be a lot more positive if you know the Cardio Jones experiment in the XFL would have ended as good as it started as far as the quarterback whisperer, you know, quarterback guru Pep Hamilton. But I do think you're right as far as if you have Shane Steichen telling you to do one thing, Rip Scherer doing telling you to do one thing, and also Pep Hamilton, like that's too much for a young quarterback to have to worry about that. They have to figure out who is going to be paying him special attention and also just to let those other guys focus on some other things. And I think Pep Hamilton is definitely the guy right now. But as Popper said, 
you know, we'll know once we get out into these individuals in training camp who's out there doing that. But getting on to the next question, David, it's how big of a role will Josh Kelly have? And we talked about it a little bit with Austin Eckler, but if Austin Eckler is going to, you know, keep the same amount of rushes or not really have that number spike, it's going to be because Josh Kelly is in here getting some of those snaps. Well, I think Josh Kelly is going to be that bigger bruiser back. He's going to be the guy that's going to run in between the tackles. He's going to be in there on short yardage. He's going to help you on third down, and he's definitely going to be in there on the goal line. I think that those are the situations where you're going to see Joshua Kelly help out this running game. Yeah, I think that's the obvious place to start as far as his role getting near the goal line, having a guy that isn't going to fumble the ball. But I also think one big thing for any rookie running back is how are you going to pass protect? That's the biggest thing. I mean, if you can't pass protect, it's hard to have you out there because teams know the run is coming. So as much as Josh Kelly is going to get those situations probably early on, I think he also has to show that he can catch the ball a little bit, which I think was an underrated part of his game at UCLA. But getting into the next question, John, this looms large for the Chargers because this question is, does Joey Bosa report? And what it talks about is that Miles Garrett recently signed his five-year $125 million extension, which now puts the onus on the Chargers who have not signed Joey Bosa, who was picked a year before Miles Garrett. And the fact that there's already some bad blood as far as contract negotiations go between these two teams. So what is to stop Joey Bosa from going to the Chargers and say, hey, look, this guy got taken a year before me. I want, you know, five years, $126 million, or I'm holding out. I could see it. I could just see it happening just because it happened with the rookie contract. Having all those debates about how the, the wording in the contract was and money guaranteed. But I just feel Bosa will report, and if the Chargers don't give him what he wants, Bosa's going to go out there and get another 12 to 15 sacks and show, hey, I deserve this money. Somebody will pay me, whether it's the Buffalo Bills or – Whoever is going to do it, somebody will pay me that money. I just feel if he sits out, he's just going to hurt himself even more and not get that big payday he wants. Because right now he's ranked maybe top five, top seven defensive end pass rushers in the league. But he can really get himself into that top three range and really get himself a good payday if he plays the season. So I have a hard time thinking he's actually going to sit out and miss out on that chance to cash in. The hard thing is just that he will get paid no matter what. If he played one game this season, there would still be a team out there willing to give him a contract like Miles Garrett just got. I'm just telling you that because that's how I believe it. I mean, I really do think if he played one game and got injured, he would still absolutely break the bank on that next contract, just showing how much teams need edge rushers. So I think this is a moment the Chargers could look back on and immensely regret because they didn't get him when they could have before other teams had a chance at him if he puts together two 16 game seasons back to back that's going to be I mean he's going to need so much money and we could even see other contracts signed between now and then which even jacks the price tag up a little bit higher than that so I do think the Chargers when you look at seeing the Chiefs sign Chris Jones and Patrick Mahomes a different situation but it does prove that deals can get done right now and the Chargers aren't making them even with all the undrafted free agents they have projected in 2021, but unrestri- projected unrestricted free agents in 2021. The last question that Daniel Popper has on here, David, is does Trent Scott move to guard? And we talked about it with the projected 53-man roster that there's a little bit of a log jam in the offensive line right now. They have a ton of bodies, and I think this goes to something I've kind of preached a little bit, which is it's time to find out if you can get any value from Trent Scott 
at any position, right? Because obviously he's going to have a competition there if he does move into guard with Dan Feeney and maybe even Forrest Lamp if they don't try to kick him out to tackle. But knowing what we know about their thoughts on Trey Pipkins, I, I don't necessarily know about that. But I think you have to see, David, if there's you can find a position that this guy is going to excel at. And I think, as Daniel Popper puts it on here, not having him out there one-on-one with some of the elite edge rushers would probably help him. Yeah, I think the coaching staff says, hey, let's go ahead and try putting Trent Scott in a phone booth where he's got some more protection, where he doesn't have to do as much pass protecting and doesn't have to be out there by himself on on an island, like you mentioned. And there's going to be an open competition at the left guard position because Dan Feeney has not been getting it done. Forrest Lamp, unfortunately, has has not been able to stay healthy to be able to show what he is capable of doing. So his best opportunity is to win that left guard spot. He's going to have a chance to do it, but he's really going to have to shine and impress these coaches coaches uh, he's gonna have to impress these coaches enough to where they are confident that he not only learned the position but excelled at that position and can help the chargers win football games well and we all know about the puff pieces going into last year he was going to be the secret answer at tackle for the chargers and he was this you know hidden gem and it didn't end up turning out that way and that happens a lot as many hidden gems as you find there's that many and more that didn't end up working out so I think with him you know he's not the future at tackle but potentially where you've struggled at at left guard he can come in and bring you some value there because if not then what's really the reason for having him on this team? He doesn't have a ton of experience, not so much that you're thinking of him as a veteran leader. And when he was on the field, he didn't play very well. So the Chargers can improve their left guard position instead of ruling Dan Feeney out there who has been in a guard competition going into every season basically since he's been in the NFL. I think that's definitely a win. And as Popper mentions on here, they might see Feeney as more of a center anyways, which in the limited action we've seen him there is much better than him at left guard but that is going to wrap things up for today's show and for the week but the good news is we will be back with you guys on monday and next week we're going to be getting into some training camps some training camp battles and much more because the chargers open up training camp on july 28th and it's coming up very quickly guys so we'll be back here with that on monday but until then make sure to follow us on twitter at locked on lac make sure to like the facebook page locked on chargers as well as subscribing to us on apple Podcasts or giving us a follow on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from, you can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. We do want to do another voicemail show soon, so if you guys want to get your voice on the Locked On Chargers podcast, the number is 323-524-7924, and we try to get every Chargers voicemail on the show. But we'll be back with you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend, but until then, take it easy and go Bolts.